Hello. Hello, Merlin. How are you? Good morning, Dan. I'm fine. How are you? I'm all right. How's everything going? Good. A lot of projects. God, I got a lot going on. Yeah, projects. I do. What's up? What's up? What are you doing? What are you working on? I'm not very prepared for today, but I know I just got a lot going on. Got a lot of irons in the fire. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you have irons? Yeah, of course. Sure. Too many. Yeah. No, a lot going on. A lot going on. You know, it uh, keeps the demon dogs at bay. Does it? Having projects. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Jesus. Woof. Yeah. Now, how are you really? Are you well? I mean, good. As good as, you know, as, it's, a, it's a weird world that we're living in right now, I, I think. It's a very weird world. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And I feel a, a little off my game, but I'm going to power through it. What, what's, uh, what's the problem? Just there's a lot going on. Yeah, no, well, no, yeah. everything's great. Let's see. What do I got going on? Yeah. Okay, so I have my, my um, weekly program that I do with Dan Benjamin, uh-huh. Outside Productivity. There's that. Yeah. I have some electronics arriving today that are part of a, a, a very a projects and projects and projects involving some media things I'm setting up. Getting my first Mac Mini in many years arriving today. Oh, uh, is it one of the um, the M1 fast ones? No, I ordered one of the really, really old ones. The old? Yes, I got the. I you know what they used to say back in the day, Dan? Get get get, get all the things. Get all you can afford. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sure. You never you, you never have you never have a day a year after getting a piece of hardware where you go, gosh, I wish this weren't as fast. <laughs> no, that's not. Bones my head. All this RAM. It just feels you know tears and rain. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's um, fleets. I just learned about that a minute ago. We got fleets. There's that. I'm doing some things with curtains at my office. That's pretty exciting. Got a trash pickup at the house today. That's exciting. I've been working on that. Um, and then I got a, I got a few odds and sods. I got an app I wouldn't mind talking about. Okay. Um, I have an observation I heard on a podcast that I think is very interesting and I'd like to talk about. And now my wife is texting me about, oh, the garbage boys arrived. Hooray. Oh, that's yeah, good. Hooray. That's important. Yeah. They're a little thirsty, the garbage boys. Oh yeah, and they always smell like smoke. What kind of what kind of smoke? Cigarette smoke. Yeah, yeah, but they're gonna take away the trash. So I mean, you know, I complain, but who'd listen? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else have I got here? Uh, projects, projects, projects. I want to talk about this app called Hook. I want to talk about something Felix Salmon said, uh, and that can turn on D and D now. Now that the garbage boys are here. Tell me what you're doing, Dan. What's what's going on with you? You you start things. Me, you want to know what's going on in, in my world? We also got a lot of sponsors today. I don't know what the hell's going on. That's good. We got we got uh, a good team working on it now. Everyone's powering 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 forward. Mmm, power. Mm-hmm. No one man should have all that power. No, it's not safe. Mm-hmm. It's not safe. You ever have sex with a pharaoh? <laughs> That's that song, uh, monster. Everybody knows I'm a monster. It's a weird song. That's an amazing song. Nicki Minaj made a career on that on those two verses. Did she? Is that? I think so. I mean, let's let's break it down a little bit. Rick Ross, eh, take it or leave it. Bon Iver, good work. A little, little bit of singing. You know, there's some good singing. Mm-hmm. Nicki Nicki Minaj's verse. We should just sit and listen to it. Right Are you now, more of a, a Nicki Minaj or a Cardi B uh, fan? I mean, I might because like, you can't like. You, I understand. My understanding is you can't like both of them. You have to okay. pick one. I like Lizzo. She's out. I'm, she's outside of this dynamic. You can like her. Okay. I mean, I know a Cardi B song. One that one song about which she's got uh, your blood shoes or something, and she's not dancing. And I know that song, but I am absolutely not obligated 
to appreciate anything about modern music. And so they should be grateful that I'm there at all. I think uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is probably one of the great records. Now, specifically, Jay-Z. Mm, he's, done, he's done better work. Rick Ross, fine, whatever. He's doing kind of like an ODB thing on it. You know, he's just kind of like, you know. But Nicki Minaj, woof. I like Nikki. I've always been a Nikki fan. If I had to pick between Nikki and and Cardi B, I feel like Nikki. I just we have to pick, she, why can't we have both? You can't. The so same see, reason see you can't. On you, so you, da, da, todo, todo, on you. Well, you can't. You can't says. like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin. You have to pick one. You can mm-hmm. listen to the Beatles music. The yeah, yeah, same thing. You can listen to the other one. It's not like you're doing anything wrong. But it's interesting. There are these weird artificial dyads that we all grew up with. And I, I think the Beatles and the Stones is one. Um, I mean, if you want to get a little more obscure, maybe like the Who and the Kinks. But you know, I don't know. I mean, they're all all, all the great bands, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, a little bit of hip hop, boy. There's an episode of we just my kid and I were uh, just watching re 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 watching Ted Lasso, and there's uh, some tribe called Quest. I mean, that stuff's that's uh, what 30 years old and still sounds so good. I don't know where I'm going with this. Have you been? Wa- um, you guys watch any uh, anything besides the Ted Lasso together that you want to recommend? Maybe to the for the listeners. Oh, I would love that. Are you detecting that I'm a little bit all over the map? I'm, I'm monitoring a lot of situations here. I just made iced tea. Mm-hmm. I've turned off my phone, as you do. I got to set up uh, uh, my old my old Synology to go home. Mm-hmm. But I would I would love the focus of a. Little Are you bit taking of it home? Discussion. You're not keeping it in the personal private office anymore. I would be happy to talk about that. I want to know why. Should we, should we talk about that? Okay, here, let me, let me write all this down. Let's let's start the show soon. I want to talk about uh, Synology setup. Uh, we haven't had Synology Corner in a while. I want to talk about this app called Hook that is extremely interesting. I want to talk about Felix Salmon. Um, and um, yes, I have... There are several shows right now. Anybody who has the terrible taste to follow me on Twitter probably knows about this, but I would actually really enjoy that. Why don't we talk about, let's, let's warm up after, I want to hear about something you like, because we got a lot of things you like this week. Mm-hmm. And then uh, let's, why don't we warm up with some, not just things we recommend on TV, but what we're watching and why. Okay. Would you be into that? I would love that. That'd be excellent. Would you, would you consider servicing me with uh, <laughs> a, 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 that's funny how. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I mean, be att- be attentive, and maybe tell me about something you like. I would love to tell you about. Well, where do we start? We do have a few to choose from. I, got, I think we start with Headspace. Let's start with Headspace. Oh, Headspace. Oh, hang on. People keep moving my bell. Oh, and there's nope. that. Hey, there's look at that. that. The streetcar. The streetcar. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, one of my things is, I'm doing, Dan, is sound dampening curtains. Is a thing that I'm working on. Oh, that's what you're sound dampening. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, huh? That's good. I should, I should probably, the thing is they don't work if you don't close them, is the thing I just learned. Oh, yeah, okay. Hey, Dan, what's the deal with Headspace? What even is going on with Headspace that? is such a cool app. Now, you know that I have been meditating for many, many years. It's helped me tremendously, and it is, you know, it is something that for me was life-changing. I'm, I came into it. With a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a diagnosed generalized anxiety disorder, and you know they they if if you go with conventional uh, Western medicine, they want to put you on some kind of 
medicine for that. And I said, you know, before I do that, let me, let me try this meditation thing because maybe, maybe there's other benefits besides just not feeling the horribly stressed all the time that I could take away from this. And at the time, and we didn't have apps like Headspace. We didn't have anything at all like Headspace. It would have helped me so much. It would have helped me get into it. We know so much more today about mindfulness and meditation in general and the benefits and and how, I mean, because life can be stressful even under just normal circumstances. And here we are in 2020 where everything is going crazy. And there's, sure, there's a lot of little quick fixes that you can do uh, to, to help. You can go for a walk, you know, you can do other things like that that help you. But what what I think people benefit most from is some kind of a lasting change. And the kind of benefits that you get from meditation are really lasting. They call it a practice, right? A meditation practice, because the way I think of it is you're practicing for the real world. You're when you when you're sitting there doing that meditation, that's what's setting you up for success in the rest of your life. It's practice for the real challenges. And, uh, and, and so that's the thing that, but how do you start, right? How do you get into it? And this is where Headspace comes in. It's, uh, it's mindfulness in the form of guided meditations that are in an easy to use app. It's one of the only meditation apps that is really pushing the field of mindfulness and meditation forward through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation that you're in, Meditation is really going to help you feel better and Headspace is going to make it so much easier. They have, they even have little like three minute SOS meditations that you can do if you need help falling asleep. They have these wind down sessions that their members swear by. They've got stuff for parents that have like morning meditations you can do with your kids. Mindfulness has been shown so many times to reduce stress, improve your sleep, boost your focus, and just help your overall sense of well-being Headspace has 25 published studies about its benefits. There's 600,000 five-star reviews, and there's been over 60 million downloads, which is pretty crazy. Um, but the fact is, you we all deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is a meditation made simple. It's going to help you do this. They have a special URL you can go to to sign up. It is headspace.com slash work. Headspace.com slash back to work. You're going to get a free one month trial. You'll get access to their full library of meditations for every situation. And it's this is the best deal that's going on right now. You're not going to get this anywhere else. Headspace.com slash back to work. Uh, for me, meditation and, and using this app has been great because this plugs you in to a community of other meditators. Great guided meditations based on what you need. It really is everything that you need to to get into this and to keep going with it. Because it's easy to fall mm-hmm. off the cushion. Take can, it from me. Can I say me. something about this? Yes, go ahead, caller. Thank you, first time meditator. Um, I, 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 I'm not using it right now, but I've used Headspace in the past and I had really good success with it. I love that dude, the dude. Yeah. I don't know if, there's probably other people besides the dude, but the, you started with the dude. I'm not gonna say a hero, but um, but I feel like one thing with meditation. I mean, there's this whole kind of like rat king of like, is this meditation? Is this relaxation? I don't, I don't, I don't have a dog in that fight, but. I always felt like, as I've said to you for however many years, nine years now, one of my greatest challenges with meditation was feeling that no matter what I was doing, I was doing it wrong. And that was discouraging to me because I, I'm a simple person and I, I want people to tell me I'm good at things. And if I know in my heart that I'm not doing well with something, I'm less likely to stick with it. Mm. So the trouble is when you talk to somebody, maybe you talk to somebody who's a 
experienced like practitioner of meditation and like the advice that they can give you about meditation. I mean, the whole point is any advice they give you is going to pale in comparison to the experience of doing it, which is frustrating because I'm the sort of person that wants to buy an O'Reilly book about whatever the thing is. Mm -hmm. And I feel like one way that this, that has been very helpful to me is that it's, it's there, it's on your phone, you can do it. And it's, it, it seems so simple but it's not easy, Mm. but it does make it simpler and it can make it easier because you're going to find out if this is right for you. You're going to find a way to basically get some, you know, like when you go bowling, I, this is oversimplifying it, but you know, when a little kid goes bowling and they put those little things in the, in the gutters so they can't get a gutter ball. I feel like this does really help you not have to struggle with, am I doing this? Am I doing this right? You know, my legs hurt, whatever. Like you've got a thing that's going to guide you through this. And I might be dead wrong about this, but there, there's a couple explanations of meditation that have been really useful for me. And I feel like Dimes to Donuts, it might have been, I feel like it might have been a video by the dude from Headspace explaining, I feel like I'm pretty sure it's Headspace. But regardless, uh, a great description of meditation that I heard, there's the one that I heard in that great book on Buddhism where the guy says it's like looking into a river and trying not to catch a fish. And the example here that I'm pretty sure is the Headspace dude was, imagine standing uh, like on a hill and watching traffic go by and trying not to get in a, and, make sure, and, and not getting into a car, not trying, mm. but like imagine watching traffic and never getting in a car. Yeah. And I, that just blew my mind open and I was like, oh, I get it. I'm just watching these things go by. I don't need, there's nothing else I'm, I'm doing except watching those go by. So helpful to me. So anyway, I just want to give a plus one uh, for checking this out. Um, it's... I mean, it's worth it on its own. For stress reduction, yeah, good, all those things. But like also just having this practice of time that you set aside to do this thing that gets you some focus and some me time, um, I think it's good for your your brain and your heart and your soul. Check it out. It's Headspace. Now, where do people go? Uh, they're going to go to headspace.com slash back to work. Free month trial. Work. Thanks very much. Thanks, Headspace. Headspace. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a singing bowl. What do I have here? I got a bell. I got, I got a. I that got sounds a, like a singing bowl if you tap it right. Sing, singing bowl, singing bowl. I got that. I got this uh, beaker that I'm drinking iced tea out of. I have a can of chili. That's not really a singing bowl. Thanks, Headspace. Thanks, Headspace. Um, I'm going to say this once and get it out of the way. Okay. So I'll say it again. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I am going to talk about some things I've talked about in other places and I don't care because these are things that are worthy of being talked about. Two things in particular. Um, do you want to start or shall I? Of things that I, we're watching? Is that where we're, where we're going? I, I have I mean, something we'll, to start we'll with. Our, we'll, we'll back our way into this garage mm-hmm. Hmm. 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 by starting with something easy, which is have there been have there been recent things, especially TV shows you've been watching, that you have found buoyant, useful, engrossing? Any of the things. Or an escape, whatever. You take it any way you want. You got anything? Uh, Queen's Gambit is a show that I've been really enjoying. Have you watched that on Netflix? That's one of the three on my list today. It's a really, really good show. I mean, obviously, it's everyone's talking about it, and that says something. But it is a very, very well done show. It is... Um, it the, the Kind of the backstory to it is simple. I'm not giving anything away. It's about a chess prodigy. Uh, it's about a little little girl, little girl with a really troubled past mm-hmm. and a lot of family issues mm-hmm. who becomes, uh, well, I don't want to spoil don't it. Don't spoil it. Who becomes an orphan. And she has to go to an orphanage in Kentucky. 
and uh, she discovers chess, and you know that kind of follows her through that journey. Yeah, it turns out that she's and also very good. Uh, green vitamins. She discovers. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so you know, <laughs> Syracuse said, "Isn't it amazing that those are exactly the same?" In like in the fifties, and like over like forty years, tranquilizers look exactly the exactly same. the same. It's one brand. But she's a very interesting character because there's a lot of things that are, um, I mean, for lack of a better term, that, that you, you kind of don't always like her. Like you like her and you root for her, but at the same time, you kind of don't. And Well, she is, she's empirically, she's so beautiful and interesting. Yeah. In that way, she, in that kind of Emma Stone, like she looks like <laughs> a beautiful alien. Yes. Yeah. And, and like the actress who plays her as an adult is, is so charismatic, but like, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm only, I'm not as far in probably as you are. I think I'm three episodes in. My wife's a little further ahead, but, um, you know, one rap, I think this is so ironic to me. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you. I, I apologize. I'm interrupting you, aren't I? No, keep going. This is the kind of show where if this show came on certainly 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, even five years ago, if this show was on like FX, people would be falling over themselves to talk about like how this is the peak of like platinum TV. It's just that now today, like in the era of something like Watchmen in the era of something like Chernobyl, there's all these shows that are not just extremely good, but super engrossing and thought provoking and challenging and nary a, a, a missed step along the way. And to say this show is merely extremely good. It's not important, but it's really good. It's beautiful. And, you know, I'm just, it's just funny to me because, like, I've heard a bunch of people, like, TV, not TV critics especially, but lots of people going, yeah, it's good. But, like, yeah, there's lots of stuff on. It's like, yeah, but, like, it's really, I, I find it very engrossing. And to pay it some, some apparently faint praise, it goes, it goes down kind of easy. Like, every time you think that something horrible is about to happen to her, <laughs> it doesn't turn out quite as horrible as you expect. It just seems like there's, there should be child molesters around every corner, but. Um, I, I, I think it's really quite good. The first episode, you know, this is a great test. If you don't love the first episode, you can bounce. But the way that first episode ends, was just so mm -hmm. epic. <clears throat> Very much. So good. Yeah. So that's the main thing that I'm watching now. I am enjoying Fargo more than, oh, yeah, I, th is good? More than I thought I would. Yeah. Is it Chris Rock? Is he in it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's um season two set such a high bar for me. Oh, season two season was great. It was so weird. This yeah. one started out and it felt like a very, very, very different show to me. It didn't feel like Fargo the movie, it didn't feel like Fargo season one or two. But I said, okay, you know, just hang out for it. I'll give it a chance. And it actually is really good. I mean, there's some scenes that are super like gory and stuff, but uh, if that doesn't ruin a show for you, then then I would recommend that also. Um, oh, and then there's another one that I'm watching called the, I think it's called The Undoing. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. With it's Nicole, Nicole Kidman, Kidman and, and Hugh Grant um, Hugh is Grant? in it. Yeah. And it's. Yeah. Should I watch that? Is that good? I, I, I'm only, what am I? I don't know how many episodes it has, but I think I'm only partway through the, maybe the third or, or fourth episode. And it it's definitely got a couple little twists and turns. And. Um, and there's very good acting. I love I love Nicole Kidman. I think she's very a weird person, a very interesting person. And um, and and we just watched Moulin Rouge the other night. Oh yeah, but I God, recommend it. I'll say yes. Do. I'll say yes. Yes, you should you should watch it. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, good picks. 
I feel like there's a thread running through the three things I wanted to talk about, which includes the, the Queen's Gambit. Um, I didn't realize there was a, well, you know what they say, like when everything starts seeming related, that's when you know you're nuts. Um, <laughs> but these three things I wanted to mention all feel like they have something kind of in common. And oddly enough, I didn't realize that these three things we're watching, that they have something in common until we were, we were watching um, Silence of the Lambs mm. again. And like, I guess I, I remember this, but now I really remember this. First of all, I, my, my, my girlfriend uh, at the time was like, she was like, oh yeah, the Silence of the Lambs movie's coming out. And I was like, oh yeah, we should go see that. She's like, you, there's no way you are allowed to see this movie until you've read the book. And I was like, mm, really? And that's back when I read books. And so I, I inhaled the Silence, the Thomas Harris Silence of the Lambs book. Um, which is, at least at the time, 1990, 91, to me was just extraordinary. I thought it was just a, a wonderful, wonderful book. And, you know, the problem is then the movie came out, and, like, for example, the there's so much more texture and connection in the book. Uh, I'm sorry I'm being that guy. Um, but, like, for example, like, the relationship between Scott Glenn's character, I want to say Crawford, and Clarice, like, she, she's in between all of these stories very strange relationships. And in the book, it's not like overt, if memory serves, but there is kind of this strange, like, is there like a tension romantically, a father thing? That's That has a lot more to it in the book. So what I rem remember, but didn't remember well enough, was how much, and you know, this comes out in the wonderful, very famous scene with Hannibal Lecter, where Hannibal Lecter instantly clocks her as being like from a poor family, you know, with your, your expensive shoes and your cheap bag and right. all that stuff. You're not more than one generation away from hunger or whatever that is. Right. But like there's so, because it's Jonathan Demme and does that one, that shot of people looking at the camera, it's so well suited for the way everyone is always gawking at Clarice. Whether that's people she passes in the hallway on the way to meet with Crawford, men and women, just always gawking at her. She's always the fish out of water. She's, you know, she's beautiful but she's also great at what she does, but everybody's constantly, she's the subject of a lot of people's gaze. So why, how is that related to these TV shows? I'm really interested in this, this sort of TV show right now where like there's somebody, somebody or, or some people who are like having to deal with lots of people. They're surrounded by people who maybe just don't believe in them. And, and they're people who are up against some kind of a system this is all, this is very tangential, but go with me. So like in Queen's Gambit, like what, well, let's, let's, let's make it plain without any spoilers here. Like even while she's still at the orphanage, like, you know, she's not supposed to be playing chess with the janitor because girls don't play chess. Right. She's, you know, she's, there's, there, there's just, and then it just it keeps going and going. And like, then there's the, the wonderful thing where she's going to play all those boys. And she is a very Clarice Starling moment where that girl who's supposed to be nine, but looks 14 <laughs> um, walks into the room and all these gawky, dorky, you know, hormone raging boys are just all staring at this nine year old girl mm -hmm. who's going to come in and play chess with all of them at the same time. Um, and that, that for me, going back and watching silence of the lambs, do you follow what I'm saying here? Yeah. Like, I there's do. something to this idea that like, she's very, she's very driven by various kinds of demons, um, real, imagined, past and future. Like she's, she's dealing with a lot, but I don't know. I'm just really interested in a story where somebody's kind of up against it with a system and trying to maintain their integrity 
and stick with the mission of what it is they feel they are. The, the way that, that God or the universe has decided that they can be useful in the universe pits them against a system that uh, has a lot of sort of hegemonic spin that the world needs to be a certain way, and boy, this person is really going to screw it up if they bring their thing to this. So, you know, we'll, let's, let's take it back. So we're talking here about, so the f- girl she plays chess with in the second episode has kind of a Marlo Thomas flip. So I'm going to place that part of it in probably 65, 66. Does that seem about right? Yes, I think that's the right time period, mid-50s. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I just think that's really interesting. So yeah, Queen's Gambit, recommended. It's on Netflix. Uh, check it out. The typical Merlin advice here, I don't know if it's Dan advice, typical Merlin advice is, uh, well, the, the first episode I feel like is, um, when I say it's long, I don't mean in a bad way. It, I think it's probably longer than an hour. It's probably closer to like a TV movie length, mm-hmm. but stick with it. And if you make it through the end and hate it, you're done. But if you're intrigued by what happens while they're watching the movie, <laughs> uh, I would say stick with it because it goes to some interesting places and it is gorgeous. It's shot so beautiful. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is that it's just, it's a joy to watch it because of how it's filmed and the, and the sets and the scenes. And having not been alive in the mid 50s, I wouldn't know if it's accurate to the time, but it sure looks like it. it is. And watching her fashions and style change both as she evolves yes. as a character and matures as a character, but also as the time periods change, because this is a story that that spans many years. Um, yep. That's pretty cool, too. And I think they're pretty spot on with that. It's fun. It's fun to watch it. It's a fun show to a watch. Funny story. Funny, funny story is that my wife and I both clocked exactly the same thing separately, but then together as being... Um, is it that that's the anachronism or we the, there's one thing that's out of place and that's her shoes. A girl at an orphanage would never have shoes that look like that. And if she did have shoes that look like that, when you got to see the soles, they would not have like hiking boot treads on them. Oh, those shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that, you know what? I can't watch it now. I can't yeah, watch it now. It's ruined, over. It's ruined it. Ruined it. Um, also, uh, I just want to so, make a bigger yeah. a bigger recommendation for yes, a show that yes. I really enjoyed that's very also very weird. And it's kind of like as you're watching it, you kind of say to yourself, how did this show get like, how did this happen? How do we have this show? How did the show get Ooh, made? Billions. Oh, I started that and I really enjoyed it. Oh, it's a crazy cold open from memory. Service. Yes. A very weird cold open. You've got to look he's, past he's, that. He's doing a thing that helps him relax. Yes. And, um, well, it's, it's and, got, uh, it, it's got Paul Giamatti. Um, and is it, is it, is it the, the dude from Band of Brothers and, uh, it's the dude with the red haired guy, right? The is Homeland the uh, first season or, he's, or two he's, of Homeland. He's Johnny Billion. Da- Bobby Axelrod. Damian Lewis is the actor's name. Maggie Siff is guy. in it. Uh, Asia Kate Dillon shows up. Uh, David, uh, Costa Bill, I think is how I say his last name. Um, wow. Play, who plays Wags. Yeah, you have great retention, Dan. I envy that. Well, I, I like I like to learn about the actors in the shows, but uh, this is a oh, really... that's all I care about. That's all I care about. I hardly ever watch anything. I'm mostly just seeing what else they were in. Such a cool show. Such a cool show. It's so weird at first, and then it kind of finds its footing. In, but the weirdest thing about it is the season that they're in now... I need to look up what season. I think it's the, yeah, the fifth season. I'm looking here, and then I'll put it. I'll put it in the show notes, of Wikipedia page for it. They stopped like mid season five because of coronavirus. So COVID oh, hits. Wow. They have like one joke about COVID in like the most recent episode, 
and then that's it. And they just put a halt on it. So there isn't a resolution to this season. There's going to be 12 episodes, but the last one, I'd have to find out when the actual date happened. Uh, but it just stops. It stops mid-season and no no more have been made. Maybe they're starting to make them again now or soon or something. So it's still going, but we're like stuck with no new episodes because they're not making any because of, of COVID. So There's so many shows that I'm excited about and it's like, oh man, like one of these shows I'm going to mention that you can really easily guess has improbably in the midst of the first season got picked up for two more seasons. Um, I think The Boys which we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I think that starts shooting because of course my kid is obsessed with it. Uh, I think they start shooting in like January. Well, but again, January as of now, you know, it's like, who knows? I mean, uh, it's so fraught, fraught down. Um, you know what? I, I'll blaze through my others real quick, but why don't you tell me about a second thing you like? And then I'll blaze through my two really normie lame stream you know, you know, uh, uh, lame dad recommendations that, that get furthered at this point. Yeah, I want, I want to hear, I want to hear those. Please, uh, please, tell me about the second thing you like. I would like to tell you about SaneBox. SaneBox. Oh, SaneBox. So useful. We keep all your get, box sane. Keep, get in there. Keep your box. They can have that. You know what? They can have that. They can that. just have that. You just, it's called, yeah, yeah. It's always sane something. You ever notice that the way they name things? You know, you get your sane receipts, you get your sane black hole, you get all those things. <laughs> That's right. Well, you cannot do any of that until you get your box sane. They're trying to solve the problem of the fact that we all get too much email. And there's a lot of different solutions for this, but the sane box one is really cool. Basically what it does is it moves unimportant emails out of your inbox into a separate folder and summarizes them in a digest. So this way you only have important emails in your inbox. You can process everything else whenever it's convenient for you, but you're not missing anything. And what's cool about Sandbox is that it works on top of your existing setup. You don't have to change your habits by making some kind of like a burner account. You don't have to download an app. It's not app specific and it works well, you everywhere. Did, Dan, you drag it in a folder mm-hmm. and then they figure it out. They figure it out. And this is the key. This is the part is that Sandbox figures out what's important by analyzing your past behavior. It looks at the emails that you open which ones you respond to, how quickly you open them, how often you open them, and it will determine the importance of the incoming emails based on that. But it does this without ever looking at the content of your email. So it this is its way of preserving your privacy. The, the headers of an email are seen by every mail server in the whole world as it's sending that mail to you. So it's not looking at anything that every all the other servers aren't already looking at. And that's how it protects your privacy. But there's tons of other features. Some of them you mentioned, there's like a one-click unsubscribe to get you off newsletters you didn't even sign mm-hmm. up for. It'll snooze, let you snooze non-urgent emails. I mean, it has the, um, something really cool called the same black hole that lets you file stuff that you never want to see again in a black hole and it will never come out of it. Sane reminders remind you if you need to do a follow-up email this is super handy to just follow up with people if you're doing sales if you're just want to be reminded when to get back in touch with somebody uh it's such a great thing and so here's the deal for our listeners our listeners will automatically get a 25 dollars credit applied to their account on top of the 14-day free trial if they go to sanebox.com slash b2w s-a-n-e-b-o-x sanebox.com slash b2w Go there, get your 25 bucks and your 14-day free trial. This is a really, really cool service. I want everyone to use this. And it solves that one problem of how can I not be bothered by email, but also not lose that email. They've done can I, it. Can I, uh, can I put a little bit of spin on that softball? Yeah, sure. 
I think sometimes I haven't thought of, I don't really haven't, I never really thought that much about email, but, but, but one thing to, to, to keep in mind is that it's not a, it's not a simple, again, we're back to simple and easy. Um, there's really, when we look at things like, well, there is, it's more of a spectrum. You've got like email that's absolutely hugely important. This email that you have not received yet will be the most important email you receive this month. Hmm. The other end is, you know, go come here and log in to claim your Bitcoin payment, you know? The kind of stuff that is like actively like like in your face, but there's so much in between in that big fat part of the bell curve. Like you said, there are things that I need to know about, but don't need to do anything about, or things I need to do something about, but not now, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's even a little bit oversimplified to say like there's just a bunch of email you don't want. Well, that's the problem. If it were just email you didn't want, you'd stop checking your email. The problem is that it is a real mix of different things. And what you're doing by dragging these emails into these folders is helping SaneBox help you. It's basically learning what kind of stuff matters. And like you don't need to see a big red six on your on your little stamp and then you click on it and it's like six receipts or different things. That's what it's doing here. It's not that this email is bad. It's not that it's it's that's the problem. If it were all bad, you wouldn't need to check it. It's that there is a mix of stuff, and for you to focus on the things that you need to do, you need you need to clear that way. You need to get a clear runway, and uh, Sandbox plus one, once again, check them out. Sandbox. No, where, Dan, where do people go for Sandbox? Uh, they're going to go to sandbox.com slash B2W. B2W. Thanks, Sandbox. Box, box. Okay, let me get this out of the way. Yeah, get it done. Um, I feel like at this point, I know everybody's sick of hearing about Ted Lasso, and so you've either watched it or you haven't, and you've made your decision about it. So I'm now going to shift into a different gear. If you haven't watched Ted Lasso, I can't help you. And now you're going to get spoiled on it. Um, because I'm going to talk about Ted Lasso for a minute and why this show is extremely important. Um, and this is not directed to the people who haven't, haven't watched it, because I no longer care about you. You had your opportunity. You rolled your eyes. You will watch it eventually, and then you'll go, hey, everybody was right. Um, Ted Lasso came along out of nowhere. We never we talked about this on Dubai Friday last week. We never knew how much we needed Ted Lasso. I just want I want to celebrate this show because along the lines of that theme that I'm talking about, I want just to underscore something. I've been talking about this a lot here, but in other places on Twitter. But the the Ted Lasso is weird. It's very funny, and and like I I you can't really say to people like how weirdly moving that this show is in a way that you're utterly unprepared for. But there it is. But it's how do you do that? How do you thread that needle of taking an NBC commercial from seven years ago about Premier League soccer and turning that into a 10-episode TV show that's one of the best things I've seen in years and years? And, and there's, a lot, there's a lot of answers. And if you're like me and you dig into these things and you listen to interviews and read interviews, there's, there's a lot to learn. But, but like, I just, now I'm mostly just here to celebrate Ted Lasso with those of us who have enjoyed it. And this really became clear to me the other day my wife and I were talking about what makes that show and that character so special. And um, so basically, as everybody knows, because you've seen it, right? Everybody's seen it. I have Ted not Lasso seen it. I have not seen it yet. Ted Lasso is a guy who is a, who's a football coach in Kansas. He and another coach have had really good luck coaching college football in Kansas. And to cut a long story short, um, a woman in England whose horrible ex-husband owned a soccer team, this horrible man who's been cheating on her in public, continues to like rub her face in it. He's just a homemade dick title and he's the worst. And so basically she decides she's going to get back at her husband by destroying the only thing that he's ever really loved, which is his premier league soccer team, mm. football, as you say. And so she, we find out now again, this is, you, know, you all know this cause you've seen it, including Dan. Mm -hmm. um, 
she hires this this yokel, this guy Ted Lasso, and his partner Coach Beard brings them out to London to coach this team. And as we learn, I think probably in the first or second act of the first episode, we learn that she did that because she wants to undermine the team. She wants it to fall apart. She wants her ex-husband to have to watch the only thing that he loves ruined. And there, the, the team is, I would say they're an American analog. I haven't kept up with sports. Might be the Cubs or the Mets. Like, it's one of those teams that's, like, very beloved, but, you know, doesn't win a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So here's what you need to know, even though you've already seen it, all of you, including Dan, mm-hmm. is that Ted Lasso shows up and he doesn't know anything about soccer. And it's very funny. This is all stuff that's based on the commercial. But but Ted is uh, it's ultimate like sort of fish out of water. But the fish out of water story we starts to emerge more into, oh, really, this is something closer to like being there, the Peter Sellers movie. He's more, in some ways, is a little bit like, like a Chauncey Gardner character. Or uh, what's the other one? It reminds me of several things. But it's, again, very funny. But here's what I here's what I want to celebrate with those of us who are uh, lasso heads, is that Ted is not an idiot. You this really comes out in the second episode, which my kid and I were watching this morning. In the second episode, he's got to deal with the hot star of this team. He's on loan from another city in England, another city's um, football team, and uh, he's a real piece of work. He's a young guy. He's real cocky. He's got a cute girlfriend who's like a media influencer, and he's, it's really all about him. It's just a bunch of angry English people who don't understand why they bring in this guy. Here's what I love about Ted Lasso, the person, and Ted Lasso, the show. He's not an idiot. He is, you might say, very positive. He's very upbeat. He's very excited. Mm -hmm. And he wants you to get excited (laughs) with him. Okay? But when I say he's not an idiot, for example, there's a a scene in, in episode two where he's had to deal with this guy, Jamie. Jamie Tart is the guy's name. And he knows, he knows that Jamie thinks he's an idiot. And he knows that Jamie is undermining him and insulting him. And he can see, like in this case, in a mirror, he could see that Jamie's making fun of him behind his back. But Ted, Ted doesn't exactly ignore it. Ted definitely doesn't get mad. Because Ted's mission is bigger than Ted's ego. Ted's mission is to get pull this team together. So he's... He seems like, again, like like Chauncey Gardner. Well, Chauncey Gardner was an idiot. But in this case, Chauncey Gardner is more about what other people project onto him in terms of what they think his insight is. Mm. But in this case, Ted does not lose sight of the bigger picture of why he's there. So he's using that positivity and that excitement to to get everybody on the same page about what this team is doing. Perhaps to his peril, because as we discover later in the season— his partner, Coach Beard, is getting mad because he's like, look, we're going to get relegated. We're going to get thrown out of the league with your whole, like, I just want everybody to do their best rather than trying to win, win, win. You're letting down the community. You're letting down the team. You're letting down, you're letting down everybody by making the lasso way not be about winning. We'll get to that later on. But here's the key point. And it really, I had to, I was talking to my lady about this. The thing that makes Ted Lasso so special, the guy, yes, he's positive. He's not a Pollyanna. He's not an idiot. It's that in in handling things the way that he does, he will not fire back. As you become negative with him, and you, and this is something we've all been dealing with for most of our adult lives, but especially the last four years, when somebody fires at you, you feel like you got to fire back, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so they, there's that old phrase we used to hear, you know, never wrestle with a pig because you both get dirty and the pig likes it. Well, now we've all become pigs <laughs> and we're all wrestling each other all the time. We're wrestling each other over the most ridiculous 
minor things and major things, and we're all just yelling at each other, mostly on the internet, and we're willing to, on our worst days, find ourselves descending to the lowest crap that some other person can throw at us. We pick it up, we look at it for a minute, we throw it back at them. And so this is the beauty of Ted, is yes, he's positive, yes, he's not negative, but the magic of that character is how he minimizes every other person's ability to debase themselves by not participating, first of all, the first order thing, by not participating in that wrestling and mudslinging. He, he, he seems like an idiot who's positive, but really what he's doing is he's making it more difficult for you to bring yourself down. And there's, there is, you could, you could look at that as a certain kind of uh, social jujitsu or maybe Aikido, mm-hmm. but Aikido is better, but, but there's more to it than that. What he wants is for this team to pull together. He's willing to put himself on the line and to, and to look like an idiot, but ultimately that's what he's trying to do. And the thing that I, I came, I've watched this show so many times. And the thing that I come away with is he, when he puts up that sign that says, believe, um, he's saying, I, you know, I want you to believe in yourselves. I want you to believe in the system. I want you to see that, and then by the, no spoilers, but by the time you get to that last episode, you understand what he's really been building as a team. And the way that he built that team was by not letting any one person bring their BS to the game in such a way that it brings everybody else down. I don't know. I love it so much. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it. It's been really thought-provoking to me. And my kid and I were both crying at 7 a.m. this morning watching this stupid TV show. We were watching a man when we discovered that this man has been baking cookies. <laughs> Big plot point. Why is that so important? You'll see. Well, you have seen because you've all already seen it, including Dan. But we have so much to learn from people like this. And seeing that played out on the, on the big screen, the little screen, whatever screen you're watching it on, it's really good. Ted Lasso. I don't have time to go much further. The other one's The Crown. The Crown is so goddamn good. And this fourth season, the whole show has been great from the beginning. Did you watch it from the beginning? Yeah, I've watched season one and two. And season three, I kind of fell so you at- saw Lane. You saw Lane from Mad Men. You saw Chernobyl yeah, guy yep. in the first. Okay. Oh, I love that actor so much. Is, is season four amazing? Is it just the best one yet? I've heard different things. Well, I've heard no different things. It's a triumph, but here's why it's a triumph for me, hmm. is that, as I mentioned here ad nauseum, there's a podcast I really love, really eye-opening, delightful podcast called You're Wrong About. I've talked about it here, you know, um, and it's basically, it's a show about like, as I've said before, it's a wonderful podcast with two people talking about stories that were defined by their, mostly talking about stories that were defined by their media coverage, how that led to our impression of how the world operates and how both of those things are drastically wrong mm-hmm. when you know what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there were these insane ideas about child abductions in the 80s and 90s that were absolutely way off target. The much sadder thing that happens, the, all the horrible things that happen to children in America, it is A, almost always someone that they know, and B, it's almost always someone that they know in their family. That's what happens to kids. It's actually worse than it seems. There are not Satanists in vans collecting children. There are members of the family who have been tolerated for a very long time doing terrible things to children. That's that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. How's that story? Is that fun? Is that a good, like, uh, you know, inside edition story? They do lots, they do tons of stuff like this. So like Satanic Panic episode was great. The series that they've been on right now, this five-part series, and they do, they've they started doing these longer series that are wonderful. The one they did on the OJ trial was incredible. Um, and you know, boy, one that's just been hiding in plain sight, Princess Diana story. 
wow, did everybody get a lot wrong on Princess Diana. And as usual, I think I'm a smart guy. I listen to this show. I listen to the five-part series on Princess Diana or, mm-hmm. you know, Diana Spencer. And like, oh my God, what a, what a, what a life that poor woman had. And, uh, you know, having to always sort of live in public. But it was just that getting through, not getting through, enjoying that podcast, but getting through like her interview on Panorama, I think it was called, it's very con- and it ended up being a very controversial interview near the end of her life where she was in, very candid about how difficult life was with Prince Charles, mm. dealing with the queen, mm-hmm. but also just stuff like her, her desperately deep loneliness, her multiple, multiple suicide attempts, her, I had no idea how bad her eating disorders were, like really, really bad eating disorders. Her life was just shredded by these people who took this, this, I, I uh, this is why I should be an honorary gay. This is such a good story. She, she, her, her life was just put into this crazy rock tumbler by this family that was really, is really all about like destroying exactly the kind of personality that somebody like a young Diana has. So I'd been through that and shed a bunch of tears. And then season four comes along and guess what? It's the arrival of Margaret Thatcher. It's Prince Charles realizing he needs to get married. And it's the introduction of Diana. And it's really, really awfully good. Um, uh, Jillian, the uh, Anderson, the yeah, Jillian X-Files. Anderson, Vex Files, yep. Boy, she sure is good as Margaret Thatcher, and um, and the woman who plays Princess Diana is great. The Crown, it's on Netflix. Start at the beginning if you can, because you get to see Claire Foy, who's incandescent, and you get to see the Eleventh Doctor, who plays a real creep, her husband Prince Philip, and you get Jared <laughs> Harris from uh, from the Chernobyl. Uh, great cast, great. Oh God! Later on, Princess Margaret. So they they change cast between episode or uh, seasons two and three because obviously the Queen's older. So you go from Claire Foy as a young Elizabeth to the wonderful Olivia Coleman as Queen Elizabeth. You go from uh, Matt, Matt Smith as uh, Philip to uh, doesn't matter. I know his name and I'm forgetting it. But as usual, it's a who's who. <laughs> you know, as we say, there's only seven English actors and they're all in this. Um, yeah, I think I think it's really really good and whatever your feelings are on the monarchy. I think it's gonna I think it gets probably a slightly understandable rap in the same way as the wonderful Mrs. America series which is like, you know, if you have Kate Blanchett play Phyllis Schlafly, the way she's playing Phyllis Schlafly, it's hard not to have some sympathy for her. Ditto here for Margaret Thatcher. Ditto ditto here for the Queen. Ditto for all of these people because you know, the royalty sucks. Uh, I wish we didn't have royalty, but like they are people and like the position that they are put in is pretty terrible. They handle it really badly sometimes, but um, I'm just, I'm, I'm into this. I guess I'm turning into a really normie older dad guy who enjoys a good drama, but like anything a friend of mine once said, uh, quoted, quoted someone uh, might've been, I forget who said this. I believe it was that novelist running guy said something like, you know, in a, in a fight between the egg and the wall, I'll always side with the egg. Like, you always kind of pull for the underdog, for the person who can't win. And uh, those kinds of stories, I think, are really buoyant, you know? And that's the lasso way, you know? It's, it's about how we play. It's about how we act as a team. We hope we win, but no matter what, we want the team to always be improving. And I think that's something, that's a thought technology I think we could all use right now. I love that. All that, that, all that from the one show. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really good. It's really good. And then like, yeah. So, you know, and I'll put this in show notes. I'll, last week's episode of Do By Friday. Um, uh, oh, you know, Mark Bramhill, the guy who does Welcome to Macintosh and other things. Yeah, I like uh, Mark that. Was, Mark was our guest on Do By Friday. And we did uh, 
I mean, we nominally did a Jason Snell style draft of Ted or of Ted Lasso characters, <laughs> but ultimately we just talked about how much we love the show. And people seem to like it, people who like Ted Lasso, but I'll put that in show notes. Dan, where would people find show notes for episode yeah, 504? Five, 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 oh, it's going to be back to work. I'm going to rest domain. and drink some iced tea and ask you to tell me about something you like. I would love to tell you about Team Mystery. Team Mystery. This is a podcast that tells the stories. That sounds of, like a rapper. Tea Mystery. Tea. Well, you're going to drink some tea. Mystery. Mm-hmm. There's one eye in Tea Mystery. <laughs> that's, no, that's correct. They can just have that. So this is a podcast that tells the stories of teams who work. T- T-E-A-M-S. Teams. Not teens. Not teens. Who work. Well, and some of them might be teenage. Good point. Um, who work together in new and unexpected ways to achieve remarkable things. And each, each episode of teamistry is telling that story. And in each story, there are practical lessons for your team, for your business, for you. And, uh, there are really, really interesting stories that are being told. And these are not stories that I was aware of. That's the thing is that each episode that I listened to, I'm like, I didn't even know anything about that. I didn't even know this happened. How did they find this? And yet, uh, find and it's and it's so it's hosted by the director of that awesome movie Blackfish about the orca. And I have gotten the sneak peek of season two. It is so good. Really, really, really high quality production, which is something I always listen to because that's something I care about. But beside that, these stories are so interesting and so cool. And I've told you in the, in the last time we talked about, uh, about Seiko's dueling factories, this is one of the stories that they told from the 1950 to, to the 1970s. Seiko had two different watchmaking factories that they put up against each other. They had them competing with each other within the company in order to push the company forward. They said, how can we beat these Swiss watches? Because for so long, the Swiss watches were king. They were the best. They were considered the best. And Seiko said, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. We can come up with something that is just as good, if not better. But how do they inspire that push? How do they inspire their employees to work harder and come up with something better if they're just saying, go, just go to work and do your best. Well, they created competition, but no matter what Seiko wins because both of these different factories with different people in it, they, they had camaraderie, but they also had competition and the outcome was Seiko still wins. So I don't want to spoil what happens or how it works, but that's an example of one of the episodes in season two that, that I really spoke to me as a watch nerd, but there are so many other really cool stories and they all have these great practical lessons that that not just entertain, but that you can take away and apply to your own life, your own business, your own work. Uh, so then they have a URL in our show notes that'll take you right to the, uh, right to their podcast, but just search for teamistry in any of your favorite apps, wherever you listen to podcasts, T E A M I S T R Y search for that. You'll find it. You'll find the show and, uh, highly recommend it. It's a show I've been enjoying. So thanks very much to teamistry for making the show possible. Thanks teamistry. Buck, buck. Uh, let's see here. I got two directions. We got one more sponsor, right? Yes, sir. Hmm. I got two ways I could go. Mm-mm-mm. There's an app for the Mac that I'm super interested in. And then there's a remark about what happens next after the COVID times that I found very interesting. Mm-hmm. Or it could be something else. Hmm. What do you want to talk about? Uh, that's a hard choice. Okay, let me just 
Well, well, let me just jump in here. This I'm getting a little bit over my skis here because uh, this is actually the challenge for D by Friday this week as well. But um, something that came over the transom in my RSS feed a week or so ago, I forget where, from whom, but uh, it was an interview with a guy that I actually, ironically enough, I still have not listened to, to the interview, but I was inter- instantly interested in the app that this guy makes. So um, our friends over at, uh, at uh, Omni Group, who make Omni, Omni Focus, mm-hmm. Omni Outline, or Omni things. Yeah. Yeah, they had um, a guest on their podcast a week ago today, a guy named Dr. Luke P. Baudin, B-E-A-U-D-O-I-N, Dr. Luke Baudin, I think he's from Canada. Mm, okay. And here's the, uh, here's the lead. This week, um, Andrew welcomes Luke, creator of the Hook app for macOS and author of Cognitive Productivity. Luke led the development of cognitive productivity software at Simon Fraser University, where he's an adjunct professor of cognitive science and education. So what caught my eye about this is this app, Hook. Have you heard of Hook? I have not heard of Hook. Of the movie with um, Dustin Hoffman. And Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arms Akimbo. The, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know what, let me just let me just plant the seed here, because after we talk about this on Dubai Friday, I'm, Dubai Friday, I might come back, but this is... So like for okay, how, let's a little bit of context here. Um, people have called. There's been various kinds of everything apps, junk drawer apps, whatever you want to call it. Over the years, we've had things like, and I don't say that disparagingly. I mean it in a good way. Evernote, uh, Devon Think, um, you know these kinds of big apps that would seek to become sort of your backup brain, Mm -hmm. kind of your external hard drive brain, like all the things where you want to accumulate various kinds of things, often research, right? So like you want to be, have a way to say like, oh, you know, here's all these papers that I'm working on, da, 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 da. But then there's also just for, for people like me, Dan, do you remember remember Entourage? We talked about Entourage, right? Yes. Not the show, but the app. And for all the ways that Entourage sucked and was really slow and risky to use, the thing that about Microsoft Entourage that instantly like landed with me was the way that you could attach almost anything to almost anything else inside of Entourage. So you get an email with somebody and that email is about scheduling a meeting. You can now attach that email to a new calendar event. And then from that calendar event, you could prepare an agenda where you attach various kinds of documents, all these different things. But the idea is it's like there's like left joins everywhere. Like you're going crazy trying to make all this stuff, you know, work together. And it, it can be extremely powerful. And the idea of that is still a very compelling idea. There are many various approaches people have taken to how you would, would choose to do that. And there's been varying degrees of success. I guess you could even include things like Evernote. I mean, I, I or not Evernote, but like um, day one. I mean, I don't know. But you, you know what I'm talking about, Dan, the idea of like having a big system where you can hook all of your stuff together. And, um, I mean, there are, gosh, I think, uh, for, for example, years ago, Stephen Berlin Johnson had a really good piece where he wrote about how he uses Devon Think to write his books. It's crazy interesting. Okay, so, so we get to Hook. It's in show notes. Why don't you click that link just to go. It is at, we are going to Hook, find without searching. And you go to hookproductivity.com. So, the way that this works, you install this app and you pay for the service. Uh, it's got a free trial. You install this thing called Hook. I'm still, Dan, I'm still figuring this out. I have, I have less than 24 hours to really, really figure this out. Okay. I've been playing with it for a week and I'm still trying to figure <laughs> out exactly how it works. Okay. But it's utterly fascinating. 
So in something like, you take something like DevonThink, you take something like Evernote. Well, what you're doing is, in some ways, you're taking stuff out of all these different buckets and putting it into the one big bucket, right? Where it lives in this big data soup and you can have the metadata and all the things and like you could drag all the PDFs of your papers into it. Mm-hmm. Hook takes a different approach. Mac only app. Hook instead is saying, let, let us create this thing um, that say like say, you know, think about the way LaunchBar works. Okay. LaunchBar exists outside of all the apps, services, and documents that it's um, utilizing. So like inside LaunchBar, the, the launcher app, I've got essentially what's called an index. And the index has all these different things in it. It's got web pages, it's got search templates, it's got all the different things. It gobbles up all of my files. Then I invoke LaunchBar to get to all of those things. LaunchBar is not hosting those things. LaunchBar is just remembering where all that stuff is and what I like to call it. A gross oversimplification of the most powerful app on my Mac probably. But so far, so good. LaunchBar is its own separate thing that exists to, to kind of sew all these things together and then to create functional connections between this thing and that thing. I want to now, I want to verb this noun at this time. Hook does something similar. So hook, uh, as you use it, lives kind of up in your menu bar, but you invoke it through a key command, command, shift, space. Now, what are you doing when you do that? Well, let's take it at the most basic level, as I understand it, which is, it's, it's kind of cool. Like one thing I do all the time in Safari is I have a service or a extension, I think an extension, that lets me right click on something and copy that as a markdown link. That's cool. Right? If I go up to the favorites bar and I hit command C, I copy out the URL and I have just a straight, you know, URL. So I can get the URL, I can get the markdown link. Okay, at a basic level, Hook does that. You're somewhere. You're in a thing. You're in a document. If it's a supported kind of document, browser, you know, uh, productivity app, you name it, you can invoke Hook at any point and you can basically hook it to another thing. And that really is then as simple as like when I'm in, um, like when I'm on, when I'm in this document, I might want to kind of hook that to this web page. So what Hook is doing is basically maintaining a, a bunch of connections that you have made between different things. And the notion is, so let's let's take a fairly simple example. I'm going to be very abstract about this. Let's say over here I have a text document about Project X, and then over here is uh, like another document about Project X somewhere else. I can, quote unquote, hook those together because it's the app that's remembering that relationship. Mm -hmm. And now when I'm in either of those two documents, I'm a key command away from seeing everything that that document is hooked to. It could be images, could be PDFs, could be whatever. But think about this. What if you had a way, and I, I might leave it just about here. What if you had a way to connect all of these things together and have an app that's maintaining all of that for you. Uh, I haven't mastered this yet. It syncs between your different Macs. I think that's a very powerful idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the idea that like when, and it works with task paper, it works with all the things he's got. You know what I'll do is I'll put his YouTube videos um, in notes that gives you a better idea of what it feels like to actually use this. But I am really interested in this. I wanted to highlight it today because I'm working on it and learning how to use it. But I also want to just applaud anybody who's still making an app like this. Like, this, you know, in the same way that we celebrate Paul Kafasis and Rogamiba for all the apps that, that he and that, that team make, the way I celebrate drafts. Like, there are still, there are people out there still making iOS and Mac apps, but especially the Mac app makers, man, I, I, my hat goes off to people who are making stuff like this. 
I will learn how to use this. I will get better at this, but I encourage you to go to hookproductivity.com and give this a spin. That is in show notes. I will also put his YouTube videos in notes, but go and uh, go and check it out. Very nice. It's really cool. Very nice. A very interesting. That's a terrible app. explanation. No, yeah. I, I don't think it was. I think this. Is, it's always weird because when you see a lot of apps, like they always say, "Oh, you're, you should be able to explain your app and what it does," and you know, in one sentence. But sometimes right. you can't, and that doesn't mean that the app is not good, even if it can't be explained in a single sentence. And this one is kind of interesting and. Anything, I think anything that helps you kind of organize stuff, uh, you know, like I find I use all these strange little techniques like to organize things or help remind me of doing different things that aren't quite reminders. They aren't quite tasks. They're just something I wanted to think about, you know, and like it's weird to make a task that says think about this. But in some, I know, you know, I know. It, like it's, it's, but like, you know, for example, here's a, here's a real straightforward example. Like I say, I still use Omni. I thought you loved OmniFocus. I still use OmniFocus, but I'm, re- I'm really into task paper, as I've said here before, where task paper is the easiest way to explain task paper is it is an app, but it's mostly a format. So imagine if there was markdown for tasks is one way to think of it. And it's real simple. You got projects, you got tasks, and then you got tags, which are like context. And it just really works for the way that my brain works. It's so lightweight. It's all just done with plain text. But like, for example, like, so, you know, you got a project colon to find something as a project down under that, you hit a tab, you know, a dash and a space, and that's a task. That's really all there is to it. The third kind of thing is a note, which is if you have a line that doesn't begin with a dash, that's a note. Well, why would you want that? Well, you're explaining a little bit maybe to yourself or a reminder about what that thing is, but I also use it to drop in URLs all the time. So I'm already doing, have been doing for years what this app will more easily accomplish, Mm -hmm. you know, and I want to be able to do stuff like text folding. I want to be able to like not see all this stuff I don't need to think about right now. I can fold and unfold all that stuff. But the idea of like, let's go look at an example from today. So here in my notes, um, okay. So I need to finish doing um, the member episode challenge for this week's reconcilable differences. And so I'm able to create a link in my task paper file to the running, um, a different text file where I'm writing down all of my ideas. I don't want, I don't want to have the work in the calendar. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like you don't need to, you don't need to store your gas in the passenger seat. There's places for all of these things. And what I really need is placeholders and cues for where else a thing needs to be happening. So sure. Like I've got, like I'll have uh, we'll record you look nice today this week, hopefully. And that by putting that URL to the, our zoom meeting inside fantastical that lets me click a button to go jump in on Fantastical. Those are both different things. I don't want those things to all be in one app. I like that they're in separate apps. But just that ability to use just plain text and links and stuff like that is ridiculously powerful to me. There's a lot more to learn with this. You can check it out with the videos. You'll learn what a hook file is and what you can do with them. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued. And um, yeah, so like, you know, I'm recommending TV shows... Because, yeah, I like the TV show, but also I, I think it's it's encouraging that a show like that is made. I'm recommending this because it's a good app, but it's also, I want to I reward and celebrate the people who are continuing to try and make great stuff for, uh, for our Macs. Woof. Mm-hmm. Let me see if my computer's coming still. Yeah, where is um, it? Where is it right now? Has it been delivered? Is it being delivered to the house or to the office? I couldn't say. House. Um... <laughs> Well, you know, Apple's, Apple, one last thing, and then I want to hear about a fourth thing you like. One thing about Apple, it's so perplexing to me which items they require a person there 
So like, you know, Apple for a long time, it was like almost anything you ordered from Apple, there had to be someone there to accept it. Yes. Which is one of the frustrations. If like, this is a long aged bit, but if you're outside the dork community, you know that the day that all the phones go out and the phones are going to be delivered usually by UPS, it's it's so frustrating. You have to see, you sit at the house all day waiting for your phone, partly because you want your phone, but also because if you're not there, you know, delivery attempted, you're SOL for a while. Yeah, for a long time, so, unless you're willing to like drive out to the FedEx station and pick it up yourself. Like that's- Oh God, to go to the airport or whatever. Communicating it's, with them is impossible. And yeah, it's, there's like a certain kind of fear that only seems to happen when you're waiting for an Apple delivery. And that used it's to be- definitely th- a certain kind of crazy anxiety. Oh yeah. Uh, here, here, here's one for you. Uh, I ordered a watch band last week, um, and the watch band, which you know it was less than fifty bucks, but you know, point being, there had to be somebody there to accept it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is fine because we're all at home anyway. My Mac Mini that arrives today, I checked, and it's already signature released. They can drop off a Mac Mini, but not a watch band. <laughs> different services, different things, maybe different business units. I don't know. But like, I find that deeply perplexing. There's a part of my brain that breaks a little bit when I encounter something like that. Oh, you know, this HDMI cable, it's very important someone be there. But like, you know, here's your server blades or whatever. Yeah, right. Weird. Yeah, a I weird never understood the, the logic behind that. And I think it has to do with certain like depending on which service they use requires. Like I think my iPhone that I just got the, the 12 uh, Pro I'm pretty sure. Wait a minute. I thought you weren't ordering anything. No, I did. Wait, you did get that. I got that one. You did that. Okay. I I did. And I, and I, if it's UPS, if it's UPS, they will often release it, I think. And that's what happened this time. They actually did release it. It didn't need a signature. It didn't need anything. They were able to just drop it off. And this is the first like Apple from Apple purchase I've ever had where they did that. The first time ever. I love it. I think it's great. I bet, I bet a lot of that is liability. You know, because there are, boy, just even in San Francisco, just from block to block, that block, I would be okay with it being dropped off. That block, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, they're going to get yelled at if your costly phone like disappears because somebody was porch surfing or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. Porch surfing. <laughs> Is there a term for that? What do they call that? Oh, where people, where are, people well, come and take the package off of your... Yeah. See, now I feel that's like it's like, porch that's surfing. That's most of our next, most of our next door is that. You know, what was interesting was I ordered something and this is the weirdest, I like, I don't know how this happened. It seems surreal to me how this happened. So I ordered something and it was missed. I don't know where it got screwed up, but mm-hmm. it probably was me entering the wrong address down because I don't seem to know my own address, but there was they, it some, happens. It happens to the best of us. Somehow yeah. it got <laughs> the wrong address and I guess it was an address that the numbers didn't even exist. So it was delivered coincidentally to my neighbor across the street, even though it was completely wrong and and would should not Wait, have been so delivered. It was, double, anywhere. it was double wrong. It was double wrong. So they delivered it to my neighbor across oh my the street God. who didn't know that it was meant for me. And <laughs> somehow I'm I really don't understand this. I got a message from this person over next door. Oh my God. I don't know how they found me on Nextdoor. I didn't even know. I maybe had a Nextdoor account from years ago. I don't know. But I got an email from Nextdoor. Somehow it was not marked as spam. And somehow I didn't just straight out delete it. And I actually read it. And it was this neighbor of mine saying, hey, if this is you, I think I have your package here. Um, 
is this you? Are you expecting a pack? And I, I wrote her back and I'm like, yes, that's me. And I live across the street from you. And she's like, oh, okay. I thought maybe that was you from your avatar. And uh, I just went ahead and put it on your porch. But like the chances of that actually happening successfully, that that I know. this thing that had been missed and over next door, it's like the first time next door has actually done something for me, like positive. That's, it's, so, it's so weird. And like the, the funny thing about this is that like in a case like that, because that happens to us more often than I would like. But the way that you discover those cock ups is, is sometimes because a kind person brings it to you and says, oh, there was a mistake here. It is. But the way that I experience that double wrong is when we get somebody, we get a piece of mail. And this could just be bad sorting, I guess. But the person looked at it and put it in the mailbox, <laughs> the mail carrier. And it'll be like a person, I've, there's a name of somebody who's never lived where we are. And it's the, the numerals of the address are wrong. <laughs> the street is wrong. It's all entirely wrong. Now, sometimes we get stuff that's off by a block. Or we get, you know what I mean? There's the kind of understandable when you have a, a block system and it's like, you know, the way, like, uh, you know, the way that streets are numbered and named, I could see that's confusing, especially, you know, like you, if you live at 3789 98th street, maybe you get something for 3798 uh, right. 89th street. Right. There could be those kinds of transpositions, I guess. But like when I see other people's mail, I'm like, I wonder how often my stuff is just going somewhere totally wackadoo that nobody could ever figure out. Double wrong. Uh, and it, I've I've been told by one of our listeners, very astute listener, who's saying uh, that it's porch pirates. Porch pirates are. But I like oh, sur- I kind of like surfing. Day. I think there could be something there. Um, let's see. Let's 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 workshop some other ones. You got um, por- porch pirates, right? Mm-hmm. I like that one. Porch porch. I like porch uh, surfing better. Porch surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, br- brown bobbers. People who follow UPS trucks looking for boxes. Brown bobbers. Um, let's see. Um, what do you, you think know, the nothing. people do with it? Are they keeping it? They don't know what's in it. I mean, obviously on the day that all the iPhones are getting delivered, they probably have a pretty good idea what's in some of them, but that's a, that's such a good question to me. I used to wonder about this with bikes. I've heard some crazy, somewhere between a unified field theory and a conspiracy theory about what happens to all the bikes. Mm-hmm. The, the most plausible thing I've, cause you know, in college, people are always stealing bikes. And you're like, what are you doing with all of those bikes? Even if you sold them, mm-hmm. that's obviously stolen bike because you're the stolen bike guy. You sell a stolen bike, what do you get for it? 20 bucks? I guess, maybe 10 bucks. I don't know. I've heard it said that a bunch of bikes, sort of like with vintage clothing, <laughs> they get packed up and put on a ship and go overseas. That's what I heard. And I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory, but that's what I heard. When I was, what in, happens to all the bikes? When I was in college, I had, my car was stolen. I've told this story. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the way that it went down was I had listed my car for sale in CarMax. It was a Honda Civic wagon. Um, and I had, kill a, a Civic. I had a few different people come and look at it. And then there was one guy who came and he had like a, like a mechanic. He said, Oh, I want my mechanic to take a look at it. Too. And I said, mm-hmm. okay. And he had his mechanic look at it. And then whatever, whatever they did, they said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. Um, when, when can we talk again? When are you, you know, when I was in college and so they said, when are you, you know, when are you in class? Oh and, my God, that's so good. And I said, bad. I said, that's uh, really brilliant. Yeah. And I said, oh, you know, I've got a class at such and such <laughs> Is time. Is there a convenient time for you to not be here? <laughs> right. And so, you know, like an idiot, I'm like, I am in class on these days at these times when would, you know, and he said, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you later. And so I, this was at UCF where the, um, where the, I think it was UCF. 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. it had a huge... UCF is like near Orlando, right? Yeah, it's in Orlando. Yeah. Uh, but there was huge, huge, huge parking lots, huge parking lots where you are just, you know, like you're, you're, you're running to get to your class and it's so far away. So it was easy enough to kind of lose track of your car anyway in the parking lot. Because you'd go and you'd get there oh, in the morning. Oh, where you're like, and, you doubt yourself. Like, yeah, and you'd yeah. spend, you know, you'd spend like three, four, five hours on campus and before you go back to your car. So it's like totally easy to forget where you parked. So I came out and I'm walking around. I couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And eventually I looked for, for like an hour and I'm like, okay, oh, no. it's really gone. Like it's gone. Like this isn't me. That's such an existential feeling. Oh my God. It was so weird. And then like I got the campus police, they didn't care. And they kind of drove me around for a while and uh, filed a report and never heard. And, you know, they didn't do anything about it. No one did anything <laughs> got them about it. They got him working on shifts. <laughs> That's right. Needs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it was just, it was like gone. But, you know, it, it's that kind of thing that, um, you know, like, I don't even know why I'm telling a story now. What we were talking about. I do. About. I do. It's a, it's like, it's, I mean, like, I don't know. <clears throat> in living in the suburbs, growing up in the suburbs, stuff like that would feel so invasive to me. I mean, whether it was like your mailbox getting bashed or like, you know, somebody doing donuts on your lawn mm-hmm. or stealing your rake or whatever. Right. It feels so personal and invasive. It's, it's just, it's, it's the worst. But like, yeah, but I mean, also then there's the like, you've gaslit yourself in some ways, <laughs> yeah. with, like not knowing where your car is. Uh, uh, as long as you're repeating a story, I'll repeat a story, which okay. is that new college, the campus cops, you know, were yeah, mostly pretty cool in retrospect, very cool. But, you know, the, the head cop guy decided that this, he'd had it with the scourge of, of bike thefts. He was very frustrated because, you know, it's the kind of school where people don't wear shoes and they just leave their bike somewhere. And it's just, you know, very casual hippie school. But, um. So Walt, I think his name was, retired cop who is now the head campus cop. He started if you if if you left your bike somewhere unlocked, he would impound it. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's just something about that at the time that just was like so like this is what's wrong <laughs> with power. Mm-hmm. Is that like his solution to stolen bikes is not that it's making life difficult for students to have their bike go away. It's that it's too much of a, it's a pain in the ass for him to have to deal with it. So he'll steal your bike for you. And then like, you can basically get it out of bike jail later and probably apologize to Captain Walt. People suck. Dan, tell me about a fourth thing you like. I gotta oh, get out of here. Uh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go deal with a Mac. It's, it's somewhere. It's on the truck. You got stuff to do. I'll tell you about Squarespace. You have a fourth thing? You have a fourth thing? Squarespace. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, I love Squarespace. Pretty good. Why don't you take, you do this one. You love them so much. Let's see. Let me see if I can do it from memory. All right. Um, they're encouraging folks to make it. So Squarespace, here's the thing. Dan and I, uh, Dan, Dan still makes web, websites. I used to make websites. Um, suddenly, out of nowhere the other day, my wife said, uh, the phrase web monkey. What do I know that phrase web monkey? I was like, well, there's code monkey by Jonathan Colton. I said, oh, but web monkey. And then I was remembering web monkey. I feel like, was that related to Wired or Jeff Fien? It used to be you had to go to a website right. to learn how to make a website. You'd look at the source code. You steal, eh, borrow the source code. You eventually figure out how to close a tag. You do all the things. And it was a real pain in the butt. It was, it was a fun pain in the butt. In 19, 19, 1995, it was fun to make a website because Netscape had tables. And it was pretty brain dead. Like, it mostly would work fine. Then Explorer came along. Then people came along. And it got more and more difficult to make a website. And boy, was it ever a pain. Today... 
You have all these places where they'll just put it up for you. Put it on the Facebook. Put it on the Twitter. Nah, nah, nah. You need a website. You need a website that is your place on the web. That's that's not going to be you know uh, subject you know to the whims of these places. And Squarespace will help you do that. Um, literally last night, my wife sent me a link to a new ramen place, and uh, I went and checked it out. The website was beautiful. It was great. The menu didn't require flash, Dan. It was so, and you know what? It was, I checked, it was a Squarespace site. Nice. And that's what they're doing. If you have stuff that you do, you don't need to be doing the stuff that you do plus making a website. Let them take care of that for you. Whatever it is that you're doing, whatever your business is, you're hanging out a shingle. Maybe you make jewelry. Maybe you have, maybe you, uh, maybe you, uh, maybe you sell ramen. Whatever it is. Maybe you're a Merlin man who used to be a guy on the internet. Pretty much all my personal sites are on Squarespace. And I'll tell you what I love about it. You go in, you can just go play with it for free. That's what she said. You go in, you play with it for free. You drag, you drop, you move around. You say, ha, ha, I wonder if I can put a map here. Not a problem. Now it's a map. Boom. You know what I'm saying? You want to have an Amazon link here. Not a problem. You drag, you drag, you drop. But what if I want it to look different? Shut your dirty mouth. It's easy. You go, you try the different templates. You see what it looks like, right? You're trying on these different things. Is that going to screw up my current website? Nah, nah. Because it's got layers to the presentation. You don't need to know this. You don't need to know about the layers of the, of the web stack and the inter interaction model. What you need to know is, if I do it like this, it's a pretty photo site. I do it like that, it's a pretty restaurant site. Whatever it is you want to do, Squarespace is there to help you. It could be for a, a project that you're doing. It could be ways to just let, let people know about your business. You can certainly have beautiful galleries. You could have a blog you could even have a podcast. The Roderick on the Line podcast has been hosted with Squarespace since 2011. Amazing. And, you know, uh, uh, probably uh, ever thus, you know. Um, but you go and you check it out. And, and, and I think what Dan's going to offer to you here, if I understand correctly, <laughs> is an opportunity for you who just for whatever reason are still not on Squarespace, really. You're going to go to their site. You're going to get you're going to get a free trial. And where do they go for that, Dan? They're going to go to squarespace.com slash it's your show. Yeah. Promo, is there a promo code, code yeah. that'll get them yeah. uh, 10% off their first purchase of a website or domain? <laughs> yes, indeed. That's It's your show also, and that's all they need to do. Are you encouraging folks to make it? Make it. Make it themselves. Make it great. Make it stand out. All you know of that. I say? I say build it beautiful. Mm -hmm. Build it beautiful. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the uh, it's your show. Is that is that the code? Is that right? Yes. All one word, no spaces, no apostrophe. Is this going to be difficult for them to do or will it be relatively easy for them? My hope is it'll be incredibly easy for them to do. I think it'll be incredibly easy. I think you go in there and you can, I you know, look, I can't, only God can judge me, right? And I don't know what your deal is, listener, but I'm just here to say, you need to get your mind right. You need to go and you get the square space. You're going to get 10% off and you're going to build it beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thanks to Squarespace for supporting Back to work. And, uh, and, uh, what, do we have a bit for this? Oh, five by five and back to work. That's mm -hmm. where it started. Mm -hmm. And all the great shows. That's right. Mm. So I've got a second Synology. Well, let's put it this way. I screwed up, Dan. What happened? As I said to my dear, my dear internet friend, Jesse Thorne, the other day, when you're buying a NAS, you know, like the Illmatic wrapper, when you're, when you're getting, when you're buying a NAS, like a Synology, you don't want to cheap out on the wrong thing. There, you know, in life, there are things you cheap out on and things you don't cheap out on. Like, you know, um, don't do your own colonoscopy. You know, don't, don't make your own breaks. If you want to make ketchup, hakuna matata. But I'm just here to say, like, if you're going to get a Synology or a NAS in general, the benefit of that is to have mini bays. 
You know what I mean? And I don't mean girlfriends. Mm-hmm. But if you've got mini bays, that gives you the opportunity to do lots of hat swaps and stuff like that. <laughs> hat swap. The first analogy I bought, guess what? I'm a sucker. Hey, look at me. I don't want to spend money. <laughs> so I bought a two bay. Two bay. And later on, I got I got a six base analogy that rules. Mm-hmm. So what my thinking is, I'm gonna take my old ass two bay mm-hmm. analogy. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna reset that up with probably not a crazy redundant raid, but because it's just a second one, and I'm gonna have that at home. I'm gonna hang that as a NAS. I'm gonna hang off the network. That way, I could have all my media and my time machines and stuff all on my old busted ass analogy at home. And I can sync after one big sync at the office. I'll sync at home in the night hours to the old busted ass two bay synology. Does that seem like a good strategy? I yeah, like I think that's strategy. pretty pretty good. Because I've got a bunch of these hundred and forty dollar eight terabyte drives. It's so crazy to me that you can have an eight terabyte hard drive for hundred and forty dollars. It's bizarre. But but you know it's got that janky ass USB USB old school. Do you think I'm better to have a drive hanging off the back of a Mac Mini or to have a local Synology? Local what Synology. Local Synology, a, for sure. Especially because it's for media. I could have an instance of Plex. Yep. And then Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm, you could. Or, and I think <clears throat> I think the Mac Mini, I'm, I'm sure you're talking about an older Mac Mini, right? No, the, the, mm, no, the one that's being the, delivered The brand today. new one you're going to? No, don't hang it. Don't hang the thing off that. That's a waste. It's gonna, but but I didn't I didn't see the point in getting an over large drive. So I got a one terabyte drive, that's which plenty. is plenty big, plenty because it's everything got, that one is going to be external. Yeah, it's got USB three on on the Mac Mini, uh, so you can. I mean, putting putting if you but especially I got lo- let's see, if I'm running if I'm running five e cat five e or cat six locally, it's gonna be fast off of an Eero. Mm-hmm. That should be good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, for no. whatever you're going to be doing, it's fine. And then any just, just like just the the movies I've ripped from Disc Sound, I'd be watching on a Plex. Yeah, that's because you can't stream. So here's what I've been doing, like a monkey man, is like transporting drives the same way I would do super super duper offsite backups. Mm-hmm. It's like when I get a 4K movie ripped from the headlines, and I have to bring that home on a hard drive. And that's no way to live. No, you can't you, live like the that. The thing is, here's the here's the thing, Dan. Once you go 4K. Woof. Mm-hmm. You understand? You go 4K UHD. Do you have a 4K TV? We do, yeah. I have one. It might be a 5K. I, mean, yeah. Ooh, I don't uh, know they made that many cameras. I don't know. It's something. I know I noticed the difference. My family, who is let's be honest, mostly looking at their phones. Like they I, I think they can tell 480 to 720. Maybe, maybe they can tell 720 to 1080. I'm just here to tell you, man, if I'm watching uh uh S4E1, sorry, S4E2 of the crown, that opening scene where there's a guy who's going to help this uh, Japanese tourist shoot a stag and you see the shimmering water. Shimmering water, Dan, very difficult to do. You get terrible. Think about the HBO. Mm-hmm. That terrible, like coming up with that snowy HBO ID thing in the 90s probably seemed really smart. And today it's practically a demo of how artifacts and pixelation <laughs> ruin everything <laughs> right now, because if you get yeah. shimmering water shimmering scottish uh, by a dark scottish lake you know what i'm saying yes. if you get a lock and lock and key like like stephen king's son wrote you get a good lock do you follow what i'm saying yes and you got the japanese guy over here he's shooting the 14 uh, point imperial stag if you get shimmering water bob is your aunt and uncle governor very good i had a poster of Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. But all I wanted was the Neil Young part. 
So I ripped off, I tore, and it happened that he was on one side. I tore Neil Young off the poster, threw out the rest. And you know what sweatshirt he was wearing in that? The same one you're wearing today? University. Same one he's wearing today, University of Central Florida. Really? He had a UCF shirt. How cool is that? And he's from Canada. And not even like the normal Canadian. And what year was that? Oh, that would be probably what, 70, 71? Crosby's National Young, you got after uh, after the first record with them on the porch, and then you get into the like, you know, the uh, the, the later stuff. I want to see a photo. I want to see that photo. I tried to find it. That's how I was trying to find it for you. Oh, man. That would be special. Neil Young poster UCSF shirt. I don't know if his bike was ever impounded by Captain Walt. <laughs> probably like not. Billy Joel He's song. too smart yeah, for Walt that. Captain Walt will steal your bike. He married yeah. Daryl Hannah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. I think you're getting Jackson Brown. But I'll take it. He was not, uh, Jackson Brown was not nice to Daryl Hannah. Oh, really? If Daryl Hannah married me, I'd treat her like a princess. Or a mermaid. Or a mermaid princess. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's a... Uh, She's a good actress. Yes. What about Jackson Brown? I don't think he's acting at all. I think you're thinking of Jackson Pollock. He's acting like a jerk. Oh, oh, sorry. I, I, yeah. Um, I don't and it's brown, brown brush, with an E. Brushed, brushed aside, um, floor, alcohol. Art's complicated, Dan. Yeah. Okay, let's button this up. Okay. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.